Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. This past few weeks, we have been looking about kind of what is our relationship? What is your relationship with the Bible? Ron kicked us off and did a great job when we looked at the overarching story that we see all the way through Scripture from the Old Testament through the New Testament of a God, a relentless God who is pursuing us. And then Mark helped us jump in last week into that that hard part of interpretation, right? As we read God's Word, how do we interpret it? And spending time with it, studying it, reading it. Today, I want to talk about application. How do we live it out? Because, friends, application makes all the difference. And I am curious, though, as we've been doing this series on the Bible, you can raise your hand, you can nod your head. Has anybody been reading your Bible just a little bit more over these last few weeks? And the rest of you, it's in there. I know that the head nod's going to come, so maybe later on in the service, but that's, that, that's wonderful. Well, today, what we talk about, I hope, just hits you, hits all of us, um, just with, with fresh ears. And when we talk about application, think about it. Um, applying ourselves more, we hear it through advertisements. Maybe you hear it from your parents. It seems like every direction, it's apply yourself, apply yourself. I came across this quote from Leonardo da Vinci, who said this. I have been impressed with the urgency of doing. Knowing is not enough. We must apply. Being willing is not enough. We must do and then Nike made millions and millions, and they're still making a ton of, ton of money with the phrase, just do it. Do it. Right. Oftentimes, uh, you know, it's easy to read the Bible, in a sense, and it go in one ear and go right out the other ear without actually doing what it says. Taking that step of action. And there are some, some theologians that talk about just this. Uh, this first one is from Soren Kierkegaard, and he says this. And take this in when you first read it. It might catch you a little off guard. The Bible is very easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be able to un- unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute that we do understand it, we are obliged to act accordingly. Love how Dwight L. Moody says, the Bible was not given to us for information, but rather transformation. And even Gandhi, who was not a Christian, said this, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite, love that, enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, to turn the world upside down, bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as nothing more than a piece of literature. Ouch. I get it. We have a ton of excuses and reasons why we don't apply it. But what if we could get beyond those? What might change in our lives? Today we're going to be in the book of James. So if you have your Bibles with you or your phones, it's also going to be on the screen. We're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. 
And if you don't have this already on your phones, I encourage you to get the Bible app. It's the YouVersion Bible app. It is wonderful. Um, and it's a great way to have God's word, word with you wherever you go. So we're going to be here in James 1. And I first want to read this to us out of the message. And then we're going to spend some time unpacking it in the NIV version. The message says, Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you're anything but, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror and walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in action. The NIV says it this way, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. It's almost one of those drop-the-mic moments, right? Just walk away. It seems so simple just to apply that and so straightforward. And, but if we're honest, it is easier said than done. Especially as we have learned, and, and Mark shared a little bit about this last week, that um, there's a lot of the Bible that where there's not immediate or direct application. If you're all here, you remember that Mark shared that we think the Bible is mostly made up of commandments. But really, the commandment part is maybe about 5% of the Bible that so much of it is, is narrative and story and, and some in poetry. And so what do we do with that when it doesn't say love your neighbor as yourself? What do we do with those parts of the Bible? The book of Jonah, I believe, is, is a great example. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. And Jonah goes, no way, God. <laughs> goes the other way, jumps on a ship, gets thrown overboard, and gets swallowed by a whale. And so you're reading that, and you're like thinking, huh, I've seen cartoons about it, I've heard about it, and this and that, but I don't think I'm going to get swallowed by a whale in my life. So God, how would you be speaking to me through this? But as we pray and we ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our eyes, stories that might not, that direct application might not jump off the page to you, God starts to reveal to you. Maybe like Jonah, you find yourself running from God. Or maybe like Jonah, we find ourselves having to go to places where we don't necessarily want to go. Or maybe like Jonah, our world is being turned upside down. Or maybe like Jonah, we are holding on to bitterness. Because you know what? We deserve to hold on to it and it feels good. So we read the Bible. Maybe that direct application isn't so direct. Again, we need to invite the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and our hearts with just a simple prayer. What would you have? What word do you have for me today? And then when it's made clear for us, then we're called to act upon it, to practice what we preach. Now when we talk about applying the Bible to our lives, 
we're not talking about adding something to grace. That God came 99% of the way, but that last 1%, you got to work really hard and you better live a really good life because you got to work your way to that last 1%. It's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about earning God's grace or earning God's forgiveness and his love. When we talk about application, it is rather in response to God's love. It is in response to his forgiveness that we seek to live out his word in our lives. Now, maybe you come from a background where you've told, been told kind of, or maybe it's not been directly, but you, this is what you've heard, is that God is kind of a standoffish God, and again, you've got to get your stuff together first. Almost been teaching, if I could just stop, you know, thinking this way or doing this way, or whatever this way. That is not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus loves us so much that even when we are giving him the stiff arm, even when we are like Jonah, we are running the other way. He went to the cross to die for you and for me to say that my love for you is so much greater than your love for me ever could be. Again, we are not adding to grace, but we are responding to it. So important for us to know in here. James goes on in verse 23, and he says these words. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, he will be blessed. I love that part of to look intently into the perfect law. The perfect law is God's word. And I love how Tim Keller points this out in saying that The word used for intently, the Greek word, is the same word to describe Peter when he arrived at the tomb on Easter morning. On that morning when Peter arrives and the the, the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty and the grave clothes are, are, are lying there. Now, we might think, what does that mean to look intently? Do you think Peter looked intently like the same way that sometimes you and I look intently at our Bible? Do you think Peter was saying, oh, there's an empty tomb and, oh, it's interesting. Didn't expect that. What's next on my agenda? I don't think so. I think Peter said, there's an empty tomb. What does this mean? What do these clothes mean? What else is going on? And he's observing and and he's interpreting and he's thinking about this. He's looking intently into it. My hope for all of us is that we too would take the time to look intently into God's word. And maybe for you that means if you have a favorite place to go read and you grab a cup of coffee and you sit down And you spend time, and even if it's 15 minutes, but for those 15 minutes, you're not worried about your schedule, you're not worried about your phone or anything else, but you're looking intently 
into God's word. You're thinking about it. You're praying for the Holy Spirit to reveal the word for you this day. And maybe you're saying, Ted, that's great, but I, again, I don't even have a Bible. If I do, I'm not even sure where I might start. A great starting place is the Gospel of John. The Gospel will give you a good understanding of who Jesus is, what his ministry is about. Now notice how James then begins to get more personal. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It's just a great analogy here. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Most men might say, well, I look in the mirror and I kind of, well, that'll do. Got to walk away. Some of us might look in the mirror and go, dang, I look good. You know, and just kind of admire ourselves for a little while. But if we're honest, there's other of us that when we look into the mirror, the first thing we see are imperfections. And then our imperfections lead to our insecurities. And our insecurities then lead to us comparing ourselves with others. I'm not as pretty as so-and-so. I'm not as thin as them. They have a lot more hair than I do. And maybe the list goes on and on. And after looking in that mirror, we're less enamored with ourselves and we are more defeated. But I love this analogy because it reminds us who we are in God's eyes. That the Bible tells us that I am a son. I am a daughter. I am forgiven. I have been made new. And Zephaniah says that God is rejoicing over us with songs. That I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do we see that when we look into God's word? Do we see the one who says, as hard as it is for you at times to believe what I say about you is true, you are my beloved child and I am never going to give up pursuing you and loving you. James is saying that if we just read the Bible and we walk away from it, not changed, then what we're doing is we're forgetting who we are. And when we buy into that narrative, our identity begins to shift. Because then it becomes all about titles. Then it comes about my successes. Then it becomes about what other people think of me. We need to be daily reminded that we are loved by God, that we are chosen by God, that we are saved by his grace. And when we do, we draw closer to Jesus and we begin to reflect more of who Jesus is. And when we do that too, we become more aware of the areas of our life that do not reflect Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Our little kids are singing that right now this morning. That's what I'm talking about, that we know of his love when we look into his perfect word. And then we move, when we move into this personal relationship with the scripture, 
Friends, this book, it truly is a, it's a love letter from God to us. And I remember when Tara and I were dating, and this will give you a little idea about my age, no phones were, no cell phones at least, were around. There were phones, but no cell phones. Not that old. But I remember, ah, I remember getting a let, letters from Tara, and I still have them. I have every letter that she ever wrote me. And I remember getting those, and, and she, if you know my wife, she's just so creative, and she'd make little pictures and do all this other stuff. But I would read those letters, and I would reread them, and I would reread them. And I think, she's that crazy about me? Like, how did I pull this over on her? This is awesome. And let that sink in. Do we open God's word and do the same thing? Is he that crazy about me? That he would send his son to die for me? And that he'd give me this love letter that is the living, breathing word of God that can change my life? And friends, when we open it up and we are praying and we are inviting the Holy Spirit to reveal and to help us understand God's word, what happens is, as I've talked about, he shows us who we are. The Holy Spirit exposes us. You know, we can hide a lot of things from a lot of people, but we can't hide it from God. He exposes, he convicts us, he encourages us, he counsels us. It's all right here in God's word. James goes on to say, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. I love that part that says continuing in it, meaning they keep at it. They keep on practicing what they learn. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, even when it's incredibly hard, God, help me. Give me the strength to apply your word to this situation in my life. And I think two things jump out at me when we think about continuing in God's word. And the first one is this. This is much more than a pep talk that I'm talking about here. That the Bible is not something that we can ever master. That you can read one section of the Bible and God will speak to you in one way on that day and later on you'll come right back to that maybe a month or a year or whatever later And it's all fresh and new of God speaking to you. It doesn't change, but we do. It's the living word of God. Secondly, what comes from continuing in it to me is that we're encouraged to do this with others. You know, when... um, With, like I shared about, with eating, like eating right... um, when we eat right, things change. We know that we're supposed to eat, have a healthy diet and things will change. You guys have probably heard that just as much as I have. I've always had trouble doing it. I know it. I just struggle doing it because I like all the, the sugar foods and all that kind of stuff. And I've been doing the same workout for three years at the same place. And then after about a year ago, I noticed the coach, our coach, much stronger and everything else than me, but I look at him and I'm like, man, you look different. He goes, yeah, because I'm eating better. He goes, what we do here in the morning, he goes, that's 20% of it. 80% of it is eating right. 
You know, and, and, and when I think about God's word, it's the same thing there. It's, it's, again, it's applying his word to our lives. And when it comes, like I said, not doing it alone, but doing it together, if we stick with that workout analogy, one of the most popular ones right now is Orange Theory. If you've ever been to it, maybe you haven't been to it, you've seen the commercials, and it's all these people in one room, and they're rowing together, and they're riding together, and they're encouraging one another, they're pushing one another on. If you've ever worked out and you do it with others, you get so much more out of it than when, since when you can do it alone. I believe the same comes to studying God's Word and when we seek to apply it to our lives. We, next week, is, um, like Taylor shared, is going to be our fall kickoff. And we're, if you're not in a vine group, which are small groups that meet at different parts of this, around the town, I encourage you to be in one. When you get with a small group of people and you start to unpack the word, and then you start to ask questions about it, and you hear how other people are applying it in their lives or how they understand it, when other people are encouraging you, when other people are keeping you accountable, it is a game changer. All to go out alone, at alone like lone rangers. But just like the mission and the vision of our church, we are to seek to follow Jesus together. James ends by saying this. If you do all these things, you will be blessed. Now, don't get me wrong here. The Bible isn't saying if you do all these things, you're going to have everything you want and just have this amazing, carefree, pain-free life. No. The blessed life is a life of knowing Jesus, knowing that you and I are fully dependent upon his work, his love, and his peace in our lives, what he has done for us, that he has taken care of our past, our present, and our future. Again, this is the living, breathing word of God has the power to change our lives. We have it at our fingertips. You might have multiple Bibles at your home and and at your office. Again, you have it on your phone. Some of you have it tattooed on your body. We have it all over. And I think because it's so accessible that at times we forget because of that, how powerful it is that it has the power to change our lives. Application makes all the difference. So I want to encourage us this week is to, to, to read the Bible and to encourage us to, to not just go through the motions and go, okay, I read it for 10 minutes today. Boom, check that off. Might text Ted and let him know. No, it's more than that. Again, if we're encountering the living God, I want to encourage us to do three things. As you read the word, I want you first to think about it. To, to, to look intently into the word of God. Ask questions. Think about, maybe I'm going to read a little bit, what was before that? What comes after that part that I just read? What is the book of James all about? Who's he writing to? Just think about it. And secondly, pray. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. That you might hear God's word for you. And lastly, live it. What is God's word? What is God calling me to do? And again, if we return to that workout analogy, if you want to lose weight, you want to lose 20 pounds, you can't do it all that first week. 
And I'm not telling you to go home now and just apply everything you know all at one time. But God loves it when we take the small steps. There's a church in West Austin that had a Bible study. And after the Bible study, they had donuts. But apparently not like our donut holes that will all be gone. Um, but they had some leftover donuts. And then one time, one of the person, people from the Bible study was downtown and saw all the homeless people and thought, well, I'm going to take our leftover donuts and hand it out to them. And so they went down there and they had their donut. And if you can picture this, they rolled their window down just enough to slip the donut through, not to contact too much, not too much of an encounter, right, interaction here, but give them the donut. And then left and felt good. But do you know what happened when they continued to do that? The window started coming down more and more and more. And they started to develop a friendship with these folks. And then it grew into a ministry called Feed My People. And we have folks from our church that are involved in it. What a great example, isn't it? Uh, of, Of knowing what to do, taking that one small step, and seeing what God would do and the change he would bring. Friends, if we want the Bible to make a difference in our lives personally, in in our families, in our relationships, in our jobs, in our schools, in this city, and in this world, we need to apply it. And I believe more maybe than ever that those who are not yet believers are longing to see those of us who are Christians who actually not just talk about the Bible, but we live the Bible out. I've heard it said that the way we live our lives might be the only Bible some people will ever see. If that's the case, may we make the most of every opportunity not only to tell our friends, tell our coworkers, tell our neighbors about who Jesus is, but may we demonstrate his love to them. May you and I be doers of the word. May we live our lives on purpose and with purpose.